Hey, everybody. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Art Fight Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Nolan. I'm here with my co-host, the great Brian Siskin. How are you, Brian? Man, I'm, I'm great. <laughs> Very excited. Um, um, oh, sorry. Uh, I was getting double audio there yeah. for a second. Whoops. No, go ahead. You go first. I was just going to say, I'm super excited. Uh, it's been like... Um, it's been a big time for getting a lot of art things done and there's a lot of fight things happening. So, mm -hmm. uh, that's what we talk about. So I'm excited. Yeah, no, we, we have fights back. We didn't, did we have fights last weekend? I don't recall. I think we had a weekend off, didn't we? More or well, less. It kind of threw us off, but we had the great pleasure of joining Robin Black on his new. Oh, that's uh, right. We had Bellator last weekend. Yeah. He's got the, uh, I guess that was maybe the fourth or fifth one that he's done but it was the 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 um fight down watch. watch party <laughs> yeah breakdown watch party and it's it, that, that was so awesome so we were hanging out with uh ray daniels and a bunch of it was fantastic uh, great great characters mallory's great and of course robin's great and so that was super fun I, I i think that you were able to get on uh for longer than i was i had to split man but uh but that was super yeah. cool we were only on. We were only on about a half an hour longer. I mean, I think Ray left, and then you left about ten minutes after that. And I would say it was about probably twenty minutes after that I bailed. And and actually, before I bailed, if you didn't get to see this, um, the uh, at the end of it, uh, Mallory uh, Robin had some trouble with his connection, and it gave me and Mallory a chance to talk. Mm. And he gave me uh, time to really dive into what the Art Fight podcast was all about and all that stuff. So oh, yeah, cool. It was really fun. It was great to see that. I actually feel like on some of the action I saw on the Twitter account this week, it seemed like we got some new mm. followers and stuff, and some of it might have come from that. So uh, cool. if you guys are watching for the first time because you saw us on Robin Black's podcast, and uh, really happy to have you along. I have actually been getting a lot of great feedback on the podcast lately, so we Neat. always appreciate that. I would say generally our, our listeners and audience are pretty quiet and uh, you know, cause we're not, we're not, you know, on here sort of making arguments, right. Or right. making, we're not pundits that are sort of raising yeah. the ire of, of, of people to, right. to sort of get that kind of like, you know, we're not we're making a popular podcast. I mean, <laughs> if, if people think that we're idiots, they're, they're not telling us. So like, that's okay. But, um, but yeah, so I, it's a little bit, you know, sometimes we're just kind of out here, you know, but, uh, but when you, when you see the sort of response that you get from, you know, uh, people hearing more about what we've been doing for <laughs> two plus years. Uh, it's cool. And I think that also there's something neat about um, just what's been sort of growing with our sort of conversations with, with Robin specifically. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know that we kind of got into some territory that might lead us to do a new sort of uh, not a format change, but maybe another iteration or an adaptation or something that we can do periodic from time to time. Uh, but it's a really cool idea uh, coming straight from, from Robin black. And, uh, right. you know, I think that's, that's the cool, like, if you think about, um, you know, we've said many times that a lot of the reason why we do this, uh, was, you know, inspired a lot by, uh, his outlook, uh, Robin's outlook and what he was, has been doing for a long time. And so I think it makes only a lot of sense that he would actually feedback loop sort of into uh what yeah. we're doing and and have an interesting idea so i don't know if we necessarily we'll get to tell everybody yet but um but uh i don't know i don't know how how to work out but i think it'll be really cool and i think it's um yeah. uh kind of a very logical it's interesting how you can somebody from the outside proximate but still outside can just look at it and be like why don't you guys do this 
Uh-huh. And it's like, it's like, oh yeah, that's kind of right to the center of what we're doing. You know? <laughs> so uh, anyway, well, I think it's cool. interesting because I think, I think the idea I might be giving more of it away, but I think that we do what he's talking about. We do it all the time. Um, but I think what we're talking about is maybe, you know, especially in lieu of our 100th show, if you guys haven't seen that episode, we had like six people on at once during that thing. And it actually was actually not totally chaotic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I think, you know, the idea would be, to have some shows where we're doing more of sort of like matchmaking with our, with our, uh, with our guests, you know, and, mm-hmm. and getting a, um, somebody from the martial arts world along with somebody from the creative world and mm-hmm. facilitate that, for that conversation at the same time with two different guests. I mean, that would be, that's going to yeah. be interesting. And, no and again, like you say, it's sort of like, duh, yeah. thanks for, thanks Robin for pointing out the obvious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like, uh, like when you've been playing in a band for a long time and then you go into the yeah. studio for the first time and, and the, whoever's producing or engineering and just goes, Hey man, you guys are great, but just play a little quieter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's easier and you'll hear more and it'll be yeah. better. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. I've actually been, uh, that's, you know, that's when you asked when we were talking just before we got on air, we were sort of talking about diving into the first half of the show and talking about art stuff and getting into a conversation about like, um, sort of how the martial arts thing sort of speaks to the art stuff that we do. And, um, you know, it's, I, and I was, I'm glad that you, you know, kind of thought of that angle because I've just basically been like getting lost, like in my, my, my little upstairs studio has finally like come to life enough that I've got like, I've got like little plants like sprouting out of it right now. You know what I mean? And it's like, and they're sustaining, you know what I mean? And and it's like a whole thing is happening now. You know, I'm not just sort of screwing around with this gear and just sort of piecing together the the pieces I need. It's like, I've got it kind of good as a, as a functional space to be comfortable in for hours at a time. It's not really close yet. You know, I've got a lot, there's more to do, but in terms of actually having a, a, a workspace with the tools all mm-hmm. connected and working and, and having a better understanding of my, uh, my Ableton platform at this point. Oh yeah. It's like, I, it's man, it's, I just remember how nice it is to be able to, uh, to be able to, um, like have mics up and then just leave them up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And then you come back and you just sit down and everything's plugged in, everything's turned on and you're just hitting record and going. You know what I yeah. mean? Oh, you know, I, you know? I know it so well that it's, <laughs> it's like, it's, it is the endless, um, for anybody who's a musician and a recording musician, which is essentially everybody now, mm-hmm. right? It used to be kind of a, a you know, I mean, more, more recording musicians than performing musicians. Too, right. That's true. Yeah. So, so I guess, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very common that we all have this utopia that largely eludes us that includes wires tucked in and away or organized. You have the right cables for all the right things. Everything's hooked up. Everything's hot, live, ready at the speed of your ideas and at the push of a button. Yeah. That's the you know, because when you have those moments of inspiration and you even have to burn the first 20% of your sort of mental energy on sorting what you're doing first. Yeah. Uh, you, it really does affect, I think there's something about immediacy that's pretty, pretty intense. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's, it's very critical. And then for me, like, uh, I'm not doing so much recording these days from a microphone perspective, but more uh, gear and, you know, 
devices and samplers and drum machines and whatever and synthesizers and all of that stuff. I, I'm still trying to figure out the best way to make them all talk to each other and right, you know, just all of that. And I don't, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm never, it's never going to get sorted. You know what I mean? But the, but there are basic things that I have done where it's like, it works, it's set up and it is like, it sounds like you've got like the, the full, the full utopian uh, musician's dream. I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a lean and mean version of it, but it can, mm -hmm. but it's doing what I need it to do. You know what I mean? It's well, that's part of it too, right? Take the stuff out that you don't need. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of it. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, for me, it's, it's a thing of like being able to, uh, I mean, right now during this time, it's just, it's an extra special time, I think, to be, um, capable of making music in a room by yourself you know what i mean and mm -hmm. and uh you know for people who don't know the story just in my living situation in my life i was in a smaller apartment with my wife for several years before we moved uh to a bigger space where i can now put my equipment back up and stuff so it's been a little while i mean it's like i i, I knew i wasn't gonna have space to do that in the place that i moved for to and uh, and I knew it was going to mean me putting stuff in storage for a certain amount of time, you know, but, um, but, and that was fine. And I was mentally prepared and I've been up, you know, during that time I did a lot of performing and stuff and recording, but I just had to go do it at other people's places and stuff, you know, mm -hmm. and I would just, you know, record ideas like on my phone or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. just, there's a million ways to get an idea together and keep it, you know, but, um, but then once, now that I actually am able to, you know, come up with an idea and like literally put together a drum track and a bass and then lay my guitar and vocal on top of it. And now there's this thing and it's like the quality is good enough that it's like, I mean, it's well beyond good enough. It's absolutely, mm -hmm. you know, this could be the beginning of like the recording of this song, like this mm -hmm. first idea you just put down mm -hmm. that, that just immediately is not just a demo or something. It's like, no, right. no that's, that's the beginning of uh, yeah. your skeleton is there. Yeah, it's already there. Like the, the the recording and the writing are just like able to just bleed into each other, and that's yeah. such a sweet space to be in. Because then inevitably it goes the other way. Inevitably you come up with ideas on the gear or in the program or something, and then all of a sudden that turns into oh well, that's like a riff. What are the well, where's my chord changes? <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, what I think so, is challenging and. What I think is challenging in all of that is as you as the immediacy starts to sort of happen all the time, then you also have to you also have to sort of cultivate another kind of governance. As the immediacy happens all the time, <laughs> right? Yeah. As the immediacy, as you have everything to immediacy be immediately available to you, right? Yeah, <laughs> you can plug straight in, man. So, uh, you know, so I, I feel like you have to come up with a whole other system of governance for ideas and, and things because otherwise, it's almost like it becomes a little too easy to start painting in different colors yeah good and, point. and and you have to sort of be like uh, uh yeah, you know, yeah 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 and you have to kind of check yourself as you kind of get uh -huh. closer to that 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 you know flying yeah. so close to the sun man yeah i'm finding you know like in terms of the martial arts analogies here you know part of it is part of it is that like what i was just talking about being able to just sort of 
direct flow between the, the, the writer part of my creativity and the music part of my creativity mm. and like the recording part, you know, and all that, just the way that those things just can start to feed back on one another. I think, you know, that's obviously we talk all about being in a flow state or flowing between states. Like we talked with Robin a lot about, you know, about that exact thing. Like Michael Venom Page, you know, wants to keep you out at a distance and you've got to somehow, you know, you've got to close this, these, these various distances to get to him, you know, and part of that might even involve engaging in different types of fighting along the way. And, you know, that, that capacity, that GSP, we talked about GSP a lot with Robin, Mm -hmm. that GSP capacity to just effortlessly go from the Mm -hmm. boxer to the kickboxer, to the wrestler, to the grappler, back to the boxer, back to the wrestler, you know, that, that sort of fluidity is, is, that's absolutely one of the things that I look at in this sport and marvel at. And, and I'm always like, those are the guys who, you know, that's, that's the, that's the edge that I'm looking for, man. I want to see, those are the kind of fighters I want to see. So I think in some ways that's indicative of what I think is valuable in, in art as well. You know what I mean? I really think that to me that being able to keep it dynamic is like the, one of the funnest parts about it. And one of the lessons I learned today specifically was I was trying to put this like just real simple guitar changes on this like bridge section of this song. And I didn't really know it. I had, I'd written down a note of like what I wanted the chord changes to be, but I really, I had to like look it back up to figure out what I thought the idea was. Mm -hmm. So that's how much I, so I don't know these changes, but if it's not complicated, you know what I mean? So, um, uh, uh, I started like trying to play it and it was like one of those things where, like this is the other part of like getting back into this mode is it's like when it comes to like playing guitar, I feel like I'm still like a little like weirdly like like it's almost like I get a little bit stiff when it when I hit the record mm-hmm. button. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm playing along and it just sounds killer. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, then I hit the record button and all of a sudden I'm like, Jing, oh, yeah. oh, okay, wait a minute, hold mm-hmm. on. So there's that weird thing of like sort of not being. um I don't know, not being in the record mode, the, the, the do it now mode. You know what I mean? No, I know. So I, I do know what you mean. It's yeah. a weird, it's a weird dance because you have to sort of be present and also away. Yeah. At the same yeah. Time. And I found, you know, the thing that I found was just like, I've got to just like let myself play it. Like, don't mm-hmm. sit here and be like, okay, and one, two, mm-hmm. three, and four, and one, two. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, no, no. Just let you know, yourself I think- play it trust that you're going to play yeah. it well and then it's like all of a sudden it's like yeah you know how to play the fucking guitar calm down yeah. <laughs> right well i think that that has to do like um uh, i think that what that's about uh or what causes that i could be wrong here but i would venture a guess that what's part of what's contributing to that when you have that experience is that you're looking at the screen of your computer while you're recording sometimes yeah and I, because I find if I'm doing something where I'm playing an instrument and I'm recording the it, tyranny, and I'm, the tyranny of the the vertical line. Yeah, <laughs> like I I turn the monitor off and just go back to pretending like I'm in a where there's a tape yeah. machine and yeah, have my transport controls all set up on my, so I don't have to like I know that stuff's happening. I can hear the metronome if I have yeah, it. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I'm not uh, I'm not always doing that, but sometimes I do. Sometimes I am doing that. And and like I said, I just found that it was like. When I just like, when I didn't come, when I wasn't trying to play a certain pattern or anything like that, when it was like, when I was just letting myself be, do what I want to do, whatever that might be in the, these eight bars, you know what I mean? And again, it's not, this is like like literally one chord change per bar. It's not that big of a deal. Right. (laughs) You you weren't playing Paganini. 
three of them are the same. You know what I mean? There's only like, there's literally five chords. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so therefore, yeah, where it's almost lay back and yeah. play the fucking music, man. You well, know what I mean? And it's, people, and I ended up coming up with like just in one go, just this great part. And it was just like, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> you know? But that's the other thing. I'm a big, like, it's funny because you end up in the mode where you're the producer and you're also the artist kind of thing, you know? And it's like, the producer always wins for me because it's always like, I am not going to like go to the trouble of trying to fix all this shit. It has to be, I have to play it right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it actually just ends up, you think, oh no, it's fine. That's, that's good enough. And it's like, you just gave yourself three hours of work trying to it's, make them. It's the difference between sort of uh, building something or creating a moment. It's sort of like, I'd rather have things feel like a moment, like yeah. a performance, even if it's in smaller pieces, even if it's just for this verse. Yeah. Or whatever, as much as you, as much continuity in time that you can string together. Yeah, that's what I, I was said. when I was producing. I, I that was something that I was hyper conscious of. I would really push singers to get every. I was kind of hard, but I would be like, "You should be able to get this in pretty darn close to one take." Yeah, like like you're you're here to sing songs, right? And then you're right. going to play them live, right? Yeah, so. I think that you should just get a, a moment and a vibe and a performance where when you get done with it, you feel like, yeah. And then you go back and there's a couple of critical things you might yeah. uh, punch, sure. punch in or whatever. But I mean, generally it's all there. Yeah. I would put, I would push for that so hard. And it's one of those things where it's a lot harder on the front end, but man, it saves you a lot on, of, because once you start getting into fragmenting, like you're yeah. editing and moving yeah. things around off the temporal plane, nothing feels true anymore. So you're kind of like, yeah, I don't know. That feels weird. It's a whole, it's a whole yeah. mind mind game. Yeah. And that's interesting. I mean, like for people who don't know that much about like multi-track recording, it's like when you're in a world where it doesn't, where there's no tape involved and you can just record as many fucking takes as you want, mm -hmm. then it's real easy to just, especially if you have a singer who can do it. Um, it's real easy to just do seven versions of the vocal and then literally go through, I mean, word by word, maybe even less mm -hmm. and pick every little tiny bit and string them all together and smooth them all out. And then that's your vocal performance. And, um, and I'm not really totally against that. There's a lot of creative things you can do with this stuff, layers of voices and things. Um, so it's, and, and I'm, I'm also into whatever tool you want to use. Like, frankly, it's the tools are all great. I love all the tools, right? Mm -hmm. But just which ones do you want to use? Which ones don't you want to use? And how do you want to use them? You know, mm -hmm. but I feel like, um, uh, you know, I feel like you do. And I feel like this just because this is, I mean, this just actually works better for me is it's like, I like to, I, in an ideal world, you write a song, you learn the song, you perform a song. You find out if anybody fucking even thinks that's a good song. <laughs> you know what I mean? You yeah. get a vibe for what people think about this music and mm -hmm. you start to realize like when you've, like you thought that was really good and it's like, it might be really good, but maybe it doesn't translate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And other things really translate. You wouldn't have known that anyway. Not that that should necessarily influence what you're doing or whatever, but, but you, you've, you've put it in front of people and you've seen what it does. You know what yeah. I mean? And you've seen when it works right. And and maybe you had to play it a little bit faster and that's when it really works. You know what yeah. I mean? You yeah, learn yeah. and then you record it. And by then you can sing it in your sleep. You know what I mean? And you've actually yeah. sang it so many times that you've come up with the perfect phrasing. You know what I mean? Yeah. To this the point where, like, you can feel in your body in some weird extra sensory way, whether that worked or not. Like you're so right. 
used to processing it or doing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So well, for me, that's usually the way. And also too, I just, you know, I can't, I mean, I can't really, if I sing something like, I think we came up with this magic number that it was like really three times was all it was ever worth me trying something. Cause whenever I tried to sing it more times than that, and we would go back and look to see like which take was better. And sometimes we're also talking about like, Hey, this is like a few days later and, and my allergies are a lot better. And why don't I go ahead and put down another vocal and we'll have that too, you know, just whatever as you're recording. So, so then you go back and you listen to the vocals and it's like, it was always like the first take a little bit from the second take. And pretty much that's it. <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe there's one thing in the third take that was like a hard note that took you three times to get it right. But yeah. otherwise, it's pretty much like the first time's the best, the second time's, and also mm-hmm. too, it's that vibe, like that thing of like the button, the drum. Now it go. You know what I mean? And you get mm-hmm. this, you get this juice, sort of the same way you get in front of a live audience, but it's different. It's not as good. You know what I mean? The, the yeah. in front of a live audience juice is way more. It's tastier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a bitter it's a bitter juice in the cold Very, sterile studio or a pandemic. But yeah, so uh, <laughs> well I I was just going to also mention too that um you know for for me what I've been working on is trying to find um because in any pursuit, right, you have to have something that you're doing iteratively or at the very least sort of a repetition that you schedule or count on generally any discipline of any kind you should do with some frequency. And I've just been trying to find a way I have this. My, my problem is that I have um, a lot of different sort of skills and a lot of different arenas of sort of media. Um, but I don't really know the all of anything. and I don't want to be the all of anything in, in film or music or any of the other you know, photography, I, I'm not trying to like fully wear all of that. I'm just really interested in the things that are natural to me that I find interesting. Right. And then I know for a fact that the more that I cycle through all of the things that I'm interested in or compelled to do, because I mean, believe me, I second guess it all the time. Like you, you just need to like pick less things to, to do. Um, <laughs> but I'm convinced that there's some effect, some net effect by just doing a lot of things. Um, but you have to keep the plates spinning. You have to keep uh, everything kind of up at some sort of point of c- centrifugal, like sort of orientation. And if you start to, you know, that feeling of, and I, so I know that I wanted to talk about this with you, Joe, because you're the, you have a similar problem, right? You work in a lot of disciplines, you work in a lot of arenas, and you do things, uh, you know, you, you, you write words, you write music, you, uh, you know, poetry, photography, you know, video art, you know, like all these things. Right. And, and it, right. You're like, yeah, hit me. So, <laughs> so hey, I feel tell like, me, tell me more, <laughs> tell me I'm great. <laughs> so, so I, f- I feel a challenge all the time about, uh, I, I hate feeling like I'm neglecting one thing or another. Like, oh, you know, I haven't, I haven't done any film photography in a while, or I haven't, whatever. So, I, and then it might be a couple of weeks that I really have to lean into a particular type of work, and that's kind of, you know, it's, it's drone cinematography for this week, and because I've got to go to all these different cities to do this, these, this filming for some project that's maybe not even mine, right? So then, right, there's that mode. But while I'm doing that, I'm not making beats. I'm not doing right. other things. And so what I've been really interested in trying to find how 
I've been trying to figure out like sort of the calisthenics or the regimen that I would need to come up with for myself to like sort of go to the gym for all the things that I do. And I think that um, what I've just started doing, and I just did another one today, but I just, I'm forcing myself, uh, I get up really early before the day even starts. And then I go and I get in the car, go find something to shoot that's interesting visually. Oh, yeah, I see you getting up right. early. I know you get up early anyway, but now you're going out early. Yeah, right. So so there's photography, there's uh, videography that all happens on the same sort of camera. Then uh, there's drone, which is another element that I want to sort of include in that. And then also, uh, you know, uh, beat making. So I want to be able to, it's always great to make something every day and, and you know, write a sketch, draw a sketch every day, right? And so I have so many um, inclinations to do like one morning I'll sort of, I'll make a beat and I'll really focus on that. But then I'm like, ah, I feel like I really want to take some pictures and I really want to test out this concept or I really want to, you know, whatever. So I just tried to figure out like, what can I do to force myself to just iterate that involves all of these things. So I can kind of approach the GSP status of a mixed martial artist that can really stitch it all together. And the way that he does that in martial arts is super inspiring because he's making it, uh, it's almost like, that the where one discipline begins and ends and then another you know where one discipline ends and then another begins there is the more skilled and holistic you are in all of these disciplines the more that the that connection point will be feathered in some way that it, it'll be brushed smooth right it, so it's it's he flows between all of these states mm -hmm. and i'm trying to figure out how to do that with a few different types of media but essentially culminating and creating daily little sort of pieces that are here's the beat i made today here's the photographs i took this morning when i woke up here's some video shots i took here's some drone shots i took and it, it doesn't have to even really tell a story it's it's just me going to the gym but instead of like posting your workout or your bike route on facebook for everybody to just look at like why are you pasting pasting or putting your your workout on instagram but uh you know what I mean? But it's kind of like, that's what I'm interested in doing. So hopefully uh, we'll see how that goes. But, you know, the iterations and, and doing something in volume like that, but in ways that it forces, like, I don't have time to think about this. I have to do all of this in less than two hours, mm -hmm. you know, down to the editing, down to everything. Mm -hmm. So there's no like, oh, I'm building up material to then work on later. I right. have to I have to do it. And it doesn't mean that anybody's going to like it. I don't really even care if anybody likes it. It's really just about why is it that I need to then upload it to just Instagram or whatever. And the idea is just that it has to get rendered uh, final in some way and then just moved. Mm -hmm. Because if I, if I start piling those things up, it'll be a huge problem. It'll start to weigh on my brain, you know? Mm -hmm. so anyway, I just wanted to kind of tell you about that and then I, and see if there was any thoughts you had with respect to like, how do you maintain interdisciplinary sort of uh, frequency? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I mean, well, what, first of all, what you're talking about doing, I mean, it reminds me a little bit of, you know, the kind of advice that we got from, uh, from Robin recently. And, uh, you know, he was talking about the fact that his, for people who follow the art stuff and not so much the fight stuff, Robin Black, who's been our guest many times on the show, um, is a fight analyst and in his own, uh, Instagram, Robin Black MMA, um, he, uh, posts there and he also posts at Twitter um, his own uh, breakdowns of every different kind of thing. I mean, he'll he'll have two alligators fighting and do a whole breakdown on the grappling sequences and stuff. He's really he's really a hilarious guy, but also a fantastic fight analyst. And and he 
just, you know, last time we talked with him on his show, not on his show, but the show that we had him on when we were talking about one of his uh, new pieces he made for the last Bellator fight, um, Robin was talking about um, how his videos, his short analysis videos had been viewed over a billion times. Yeah. And, um, uh, and, you know, and the recent advice he's been giving us is like, sort of like, don't even really think about the promotion part of it. Like more like just do the production part of it and do it at a certain level and do it consistently and just keep making work and just keep pushing work out and just do that. And the rest of it will figure itself out basically. So I feel like in a way this sounds like it might be like partly, uh, you know, like your solution yeah. to that. Um, and I think it's, I mean, I think it's especially interesting with, with, you know, even a little movie, like to, to shoot that footage and good footage, by the way, and then also edit it. Um, and then also, um, uh, you know, compose the score and then put it all together and then render it and then upload it. I mean, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work to do in two hours. Um, uh, as someone who's uh, won a few awards at the 48 hour film festival, I can assure you two hours is almost nothing. <laughs> so, uh, so um, I, um, but no, I, I really think that's actually kind of amazing. And if you're able to do that pretty regularly, I think that's going to be, that's going to be pretty crazy, man. Um, I feel like for me, I basically just try to make sure I don't even know how I would describe. There must be like a, a mechanical analogy of some kind, but it's 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 almost like a drag race engine, perhaps. <laughs> so so basically, like all the cylinders have to be idling. Like everything's got to be idling. I can't let this engine stall. Okay, no, all the cylinders have to be idling. Everything's got to be you know firing. Engage. It's all there, right? It's all yeah. The, fucking it's warming up it ain't getting cold it's all the whole thing is staying warm right but beyond that there's you don't have to do anything as long as you keep it all kind of warm and all of it's kind of warm then it's good um and then usually what ends up happening is something gets hot right so then all of a sudden uh this cylinder just starts firing off because there's an opportunity to be a part of the gallery show so now all of a sudden I'm going to be Art Joe right now because I got something going with art the art Joe. stuff. So I'm Art Joe, right? And then, <laughs> uh, and then if all of a sudden I had a chance to do something else, da da da, then I would engage that more and do that more. Um, but the the uh, the other thing that might get my attention would just be my own thing. Like if nothing, if I don't really have a specific opportunity happening or something, and maybe I just feel like playing music right now. Like I feel like the stuff I've been doing, you know, music right now, it's like, I'm literally trying to write and record an album that is about this whole experience that I've had this year. So it's like, I want to do it while I'm in the middle of it under the, under the, you know, that's the whole way I have my studio set up right now is because it's, I've figured out a way that I can just do it all by myself. Mm -hmm. So I want it to sound like me by myself. You know what I mean? And um, uh, that's helping me be a little bit more creatively free and a little bit less demanding of my musicianship <laughs> because it's uh, because it's like, it's like, no, it's got to, it's supposed to sound like you by yourself. It's not supposed to sound like, don't, I'm not trying to fake like I'm with a band. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just me. Just be weird and be good and it'll be fine. <laughs> so uh, you should, uh, you should, uh, you should, when it's done, you should call it like a, call it a live album, but it's clearly, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just clearly really during the pandemic and then mix was, it yeah. like crowd sound from Peter Frampton, you know, <laughs> it's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. Uh, it's, 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 I mean, it's clearly anything but that, but, uh, but anyway, so it's like if, if, so right now I just feel like I've had a lot to learn, uh, just in terms of 
I mean, basically, I to honestly, part of the problem has been the fact that it's like, I already know so much about recording and I know so much about a whole different platform that you bring all of that baggage here. And to some, a lot of times it's like, there's got to be a way to do this. I probably just do this and then do that. And it's like, huh? This is, on, this is on Ableton. Wait, so, where did it come from? What? You said you were coming, bringing baggage from oh, like platform. mostly just pro tools for years and years and I years. See. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yep. So and like people pro tools is just like a very, like it's basically one of the earlier contemporary platforms, literally just trying to mimic what it used to be like to record on tape. <laughs> so in uh, Ableton's a lot different. It's really was eventually it was originally made for like live DJs. But the way that I use it is you end up doing sort of more of a loop based songwriting thing as opposed to, actually just recording in this more traditional linear way it's it's so much i like it so much better and it's actually just so much more flexible there's you could use it in any there's many different ways you could be using ableton and everybody can just do their own take on it it's pretty fucking mm. rad but anyway so using that you know sometimes your instincts if you have experience using a you know uh, audio you know platform you your instincts are absolutely right of course oh yeah of course there's a solo button right here of course there's a mute button right here you know all that stuff you know you know where things are just because they're always there <laughs> you know huh there are a lot of conventions that are always yeah. going to be on YouTube. of course of course there are and then there's also a number of things that seem insanely complicated because they don't make any sense uh, across these platforms, right? And then I've got to learn a whole new way that you do this. But once I learn it, it's like, oh shit, that's so easy and so intuitive and even kind of better. You know what I mean? I really feel like it's everything's really easy and sometimes it's hard to figure out until I just fucking break down and fucking go watch a video and learn it. <laughs> you know. But of course, that's not my first instinct. My first instinct is... I can just figure it out. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, and I, you do eventually, but, but it's just sort of, I have to learn the platform and I've only just now gotten to the point where it's like, okay. And then over, I want to do this track. I'm the track. Da, 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 hit the thing, hit the space bar. Here we go. That sucks. That's awful. The fucking control Z, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And what I need to do next is like you're saying is like map all that out onto my controller and then do that. And I, I will be doing that, but it's been, it's been, just it's been fun enough just to be able to mix on the controller yeah, yeah. you know it's just been i love it man it's just like oh i can just and that's i that's what i love about that is like it's so hard to mix with a cursor on a screen you know and it's so much better and this is the whole thing to like just have your eyes closed and you're listening on your headphones and you're just like oh, i turn that drum up man <laughs> you know what i mean they're like oh i really bring it in the bass i'm bringing in the bass <laughs> yeah and it's just uh it's huge to be able to to be able to do that and not be buried and and right like it's uh, i had uh i had one of those big tascam motorized oh, yeah. vader deals for uh in my studio back in the day and and you know with we i mean i was running cubase or whatever but anyway it was the tactile and, and also the i would again i would turn the screen off and then be tracking with musicians or my own projects or whatever and you know usually you got people in the control room with you that's kind of where a lot of the recording of things happens so you can talk about it and just the guitars yeah. are to the amps in the other room or whatever and so you're just kind of there so it was just great to because um you know artists especially back then in the early 2000s or you know 2005 whatever people were still kind of fascinated by it right and it was a, a shiny thing and it was so it was a huge problem in the studio because people would record something but then they'd want to like get all immediately like want to fixate on the screen i would just turn right. it off like no no, no. I, I got the cues lined up let's go back 
and listen to it and put them back through like tape machine world. Uh, yeah. And you're not looking at anything, man, you know, and I, I, it's yeah. kind of back, back to my point earlier where I feel like that that's, you know, and maybe I'm projecting a lot, but that's been a lot of what I've been backing away from and getting all of my music to be uh, outside of the digital audio workstation world entirely to where it just is on standalone boxes. And yeah. if I, ha- I happen to be recording, then great. If I'm not, I'm not, but I can do it either way. Yeah. Uh, but I use Harrison Mixbus, which is based out of Nashville here. And it's basically a perfect recreation of the Harrison famous console, the Mixbus console. And it is unbelievable because uh, the, and I, I would say anybody that's using any tool for anything, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's music or art or office or, or whatever. There's sort of a philosophy and design that is, uh, called like sort of knob per function type of uh, thinking. So what that means is that, you know, over the course of the years, we've become, we've come, we've become so in love with options that we have all software for any tool that you're using. It's going to have like 30 menus and sub menus. And you're going to, you do a lot of drilling in menus and it really slows down and interrupts the creative flow a lot because you're just, you know, and no matter how many, how good you are at shortcuts or, whatever man you're still interacting with this thing in that way and it's it's problematic you know um but anyway you know i just i feel like anybody that's that's up against that realize that there are always there are a growing amount of competitors in every space that are doing simpler tools that do the same thing and they rely on this kind of knob per function mentality and uh especially like in the music realm joe's like uh, my screen is um uh it is just um it's like a console Mm -hmm. and and so there's a like there's a knob for everything you know like i'm looking i'm just looking at channel strips and knobs and it's got compression on each channel strip and all that and the buses and everything so it's uh that's the only thing i allow to happen and then i just Mm -hmm. hit record and yeah that's as opposed to for people at home like as you're saying that that's what you that's what you're that's the only thing you're really seeing on a screen as opposed to actually seeing like music running across the screen and you're looking at the time with your eyes and all that kind of stuff right i'm not looking at grids i'm not looking at waveforms right Uh, and if i need to but uh, yeah i'm just essentially a, a facsimile of a piece of hardware well one thing too you know one thing that gets um you know, to, you know, to your point earlier that, you know, what you're really trying to do is you're really trying to, um, you know, um, capture an expression, you know, in this moment. And in my case, like I was talking about earlier, it's like, you just have these chords to play over the course of eight bars, uh, express yourself within the limits of these bars, you know what I mean? And the limits of these chords, but like, that's all, that's all you have to do is just just play them however you might and get to the end. That's it. You know what I mean? Don't get all hung up on it. Just do it. You know what I mean? And, um, and I think that, um, that when you play that way, and if you're trying to capture that kind of a groove and stuff, to some degree, you're letting yourself have a little, take a little Liberty with the metronome. You know what I mean? And, and when you do that, you know, when you're playing around this strict computer beat that these kinds of softwares run on, then, uh, then when you're looking at those grids, those grids are laid out on that beat. And so then all of a sudden you just see all your music, not quite lining. It didn't line up there. What about that spot? Oh, that spot. It didn't line up there either. You know, uh, and uh, the end too, I, I came in early on the end. You see that thing. And there's an instinct to automatically, 
And I think it's just a, uh, I don't think it has anything to do with music. There's just an instinct to like, yeah, yeah, you want to, you want to, you want to grab it. You want to like scoot it over and get it where it's supposed to go. And, uh, and of course, you know, that's what, that's really technically that's where you should have played it. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, it's like that. I think the visual part of these, um, uh, workspaces and these, you know, these various programs that we use for recording and mixing and everything else. I think that visual component of them is, um, the, the desire to tidy them up visually actually ends up being the thing that makes so much music recorded on these platforms sound so, um, there's just a certain sort of flawlessness that is, um, there's just nothing to grab onto because there's no gravy. <laughs> you know what I mean? They need a little gravy with the grits. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and, I do find things here and there, but maybe not, not records that people really want to sell a lot of, but, yeah. I mean, but, I, but I do find that like, especially in this sort of more experimental electronic world and, and, you know, not even necessarily, I don't know what we used to call experimental electronic is kind of more mainstream now in a lot yeah. of ways, but, but you know, there's a lot of stuff I listen to that's like, it literally, like it breaks every possible rule of what it is that something should sound like. It's, it's, mm. it's beat up. It's got noise. It's crackling. Yeah. It sounds like the files distorted, you know, like it, it has every error and flaw of the right. medium brought to bear full on and then made musical. Mm-hmm. you know some things to that extent and it reminds you like okay yeah you, you want to be in touch with your your medium but you don't want to be a slave and you don't want right. to um, get you know people find ways to get lost man it's amazing like they'll people will f- create almost out of thin air which i don't know if that's underlying psychology of like people that are sabotaging their own creative efforts somehow by just being like well but what does this do and if, oh you know the, the sort of entertaining options and uh, you know, all that I think sometimes can be just a, a deliberate subconscious path to nowhere mm-hmm. because, you don't want it, because you just don't feel it. You don't want to commit to an idea or, yeah. or whatever, I suppose. But well, that's um, a big problem. I mean, it's definitely a problem with, uh, you know, with, with music is, is the whole, I mean, it's with, it's a problem with music. It's a problem with writer, like fiction writers, you know, um, uh, I'm just trying to think of other people who famously have this problem, but the whole idea of like, you know, oh, I started another song, but I never actually finished that song. Or I, you know, I finished three songs and I decided that was the beginning of my album that I still haven't finished yet, you know? And, um, uh, and you know, it's a, it's a real thing, you know, but I would go back to our, our example earlier about the, the, you know, uh, talking about how I like, like to do different things at different, in different ways. And, you know, I, like I said, I feel like I always have to have a little bit of stuff going on in all the things that I want to actually be active in, Mm -hmm. uh, just because I got to keep my hat in the ring or whatever, you know what I mean? Somehow I have to have something to show for it. You know, if anybody asks, I have to be able to say, Oh yeah, I just did this exhibition with my photography or whatever it might be. Um, uh, but at the end of it, the, um, you know, when opportunities come along, that's when I really start focusing on one thing or another. Um, if my own interest just takes me, you know, I'm interested in music right now. Like, so I'm just doing music whenever I have the opportunity to do it. I'm sort of, you know, at times when I know it's like, Hey, I can do that whole afternoon. I can just be working on music. Then I sort of plan to be available to it. Um, but the other thing is that, um, when, when, 
I'm doing one thing and not doing the other things, by the time I get back to doing the other thing, a lot of times uh, the other thing is fresh and interesting and I've got tons of ideas. And I feel like, I feel like, man, having a lot, allowing yourself to split your attention, Mm -hmm. which everybody says never, don't do that. Don't do that. It's, you know, you should just focus, just focus on the one thing, you know, and some people probably should, but that's been terrible advice to me because as soon as I stopped taking that advice, things got way better and I got way more creative. And part of the reason is that when, when the other thing starts to burn out, then you've got three other things that you could be doing and, and then it's fun. And I think just the activity of just sort of doing a little bit of different things all the time mm-hmm. also just helps all of them, you know, to be more interesting and creative. So I just feel like at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, sometimes I don't feel like, like, uh, you know, doing any art writing. And then I, you know, instead I'm going to go play my saxophone. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm going to have all sorts of great ideas for that, but I don't have any for this, you know? So I think nice it's. Yeah, it's nice. It's, it's, it's natural to run out of energy regarding a certain project or a certain medium or something like that. Of course you're going to, but that's why if you have something else that you're also invested in, in like in the same level, then it's like you can, now you can do that. And guess what? You're still creative. Like you're creative all the time. You know what I mean? You're always making work. And, you know, maybe it's not always music. Maybe it's not always paintings. Maybe it's not always short films or whatever it is, but always something's going on and you're you're never the guy who's like i just can't write right now you know what i mean mm-hmm. which is fine i don't want to make fun of people be mean about it but it's it's i'm telling you there may be a solution and it what it involves is what's the other thing you want to be doing and mm-hmm. give yourself permission to do more of that and yep. you'll be better at both of them yeah maybe, they can maybe. inform your work in different ways you can do it at different timings um i always liked going from really heavy laborious projects like video editing a project or audio you know yeah. making a record grinding man something where you have to really put a lot of consistent hours in uh and you have to really get in there um but then when you're done i, I always i always that's why photography has always been a part of my sort of practice uh is because it goes from that to like, oh my God, I just want to compose a photograph and press a button. And then I have that photograph and yeah. I like, it, and it's done just because, uh, yeah. You know, and I find that that keeps me from, uh, shortchanging maybe other things, uh, that need more time, <laughs> you know, because yeah. it needs something to be done for, you know, I get to a point where I just, I can't, have everything be in the middle of a pro- part of the I know process. Yeah. Nuts. Yeah. I mean, I also too, I mean, I should, I have to say that it's like, I'm not somebody who's got a lot of endurance for anything. Really. I'm somebody who's like, I get bored. I get bored quick. You know, I really do. And so it's like, it's like, you know, it, it's like, Oh, it, that's one of the reasons why like lately, I've got an album project that I haven't been able to finish and I really don't want to finish it until I can finish it the way I want to, which is like we were talking, like you were just talking about a minute ago of like, I want to be in the room when we're mixing that record. I don't want somebody to mix that record for me. I just spent all this time making this album and I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to not be there for the fun part. You know what I mean? So, so we have to wait, we have to just have to wait until we can all be in the same room and it'll happen soon enough. But in the meantime, I still want to have music out there and, and it's, you know, it's quick. I mean, I, you can write a song fast. You know what I mean? And honestly, at the end of the day, you can record a song fast, you know, and especially yeah. now, you know, I can record 
I could record just, you know, a guitar and a vocal with a little, little just pitter patter drum track mm-hmm. and then just send it to like three or four friends of mine in Nashville and it would be done in within a week. <laughs> you know what I mean? It'd be that, that easy. Yeah. You know, and or, I mean, uh, you know, and or do my own weird version of it here at home. You know what I mean? And I could just literally have it done within a week. So it's like a lot of the stuff that I do, it's like, it doesn't take that long. You know what I mean? The Bjork version. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I do the Bjork version. But it's like, I can, a lot of things, I I mean, I like to write poems a lot. And part of the reason why I like to write poems is because they're quick. It's, it's, you can write a poem. You know what I mean? And it's not, you're not done. You got a lot of work to do on your poem, by the way, but you wrote it. You know what I mean? And now, of course, you're going to edit it. You're going to refine it, blah, blah, blah. But you you did it. You got it on paper, and that's the poem. It's just such a – it's like it's crazy how uh, – like why we're all possessed like this. And we don't – nobody ever questions like, hey, what if we just did nothing, man? <laughs> yeah. You know? Like it's this compulsion that you just – if you have that, then it's a problem. Like it's just – it's the only way that you can process the world. It's the only way that you can – have energy come at you and go through you and then somewhere else, because otherwise you're just like a magnet of resistance to the universe. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like if, if I don't, if I'm not doing something that's creative uh, and you know, I mean, I'm not saying I don't, I mean, I take time off from doing things or I'll whatever, you know, go into like kind of more consumption stages where I want to read this or watch this or, you know, uh, sort of ponder something or experience something. That's but, a big part of the work though. <laughs> I'm always relating it. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, I'm always seeing it through that lens. It's so crazy. I just, I mean, I, I just, yeah, I don't know. I just, I think you're, you're passionate about it. And I think that's how I am too. And I think, you know, that's the difference really is, you know, between, especially, I mean, it's, it's harder when you're, you know, when you're 21, you know, lots of people, you know, uh, say lots of things, you know, but, but really it's one of the things that's been, really kind of good about, you know, being a part of the art community for many, many years, especially in Nashville, because really you sort of saw the, the, I mean, obviously the music community was always here, but it's gotten somewhat more diverse and more interesting as a result Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of, and what I mean by diverse is just not all country. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's still a lot of country, you know what I mean? But, but there's more going on than that. Um, uh, And that's good. Um, And, uh, but in terms of the art world, like Nashville's contemporary art scene was in its infancy in the nineties and it really has turned into something special and it's been cool to be, you know, involved with it and seeing it all happen and stuff. But, um, uh, you know, I just, um, what was, where were, I'm, I'm getting lost in what we were actually talking about there. <laughs> where was I going? I was, I was talking about like, what's the, why do we, why are we so compelled? Oh yeah. Yeah. And so what I was to say is like, when you've been a part of a scene for that long, one of the benefits of it, I think is that you can sort of look around now and like, see who's like still here, <laughs> you know? And there's a lot of people who are still here. I mean, there's a lot of people that, you know, in 1996, they were, you know, fucking painting shit in their living room. And now they're still painting shit, you know, and they're doing or they're doing something else, but they're still doing this creative thing. And they're, Clearly they were the artists that they, that they thought they were even at that age. You know what I mean? It's neat to be able to be on a ride long enough to get that perspective. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. And there's just a difference, you know, and I'm not necessarily saying somebody who's making a living with creativity or somebody who's doing this or that. I mean, it's, it's hard to quantify a little bit, but there's just a difference. There's people I know who, no matter what they're doing, you know, to pay bills, 
you know, their, their, the life that they've created for themselves is set up to, uh, to uh, accommodate a creative practice. You know what I mean? And it's a luxury that most people don't, don't indulge in. You know what I mean? I don't know if it's, it's not, I don't know if luxury is the word for it, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a time eating system <laughs> that not everyone is prepared to feed. <laughs> yeah. okay, so, so real, real quick. Um, we got a few minutes left here, but I wanted to make sure that we touch on the, uh, some, some fight matters. <laughs> and I was just thinking, you know, let's just really aim this one right at our, our listeners that are probably more into art than into fighting generally. I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell, but, um, if I had to sit here and think about like, if you, if you're th- looking through maybe even, you know, all of October, what is the one fight that is the most intriguing fight that is for you? That is the most exciting sort of probably a headliner fight on any card coming up in the next month or so that oh. if you, if somebody was sort of like the uninitiated, uh, okay, I, I, I would watch a fight. If somebody told me a good one to watch or, or whatever, do you have a fight in mind? That is just, yeah. I mean, is it Khabib and Gaethje, right? Yeah, (laughs) I mean, everybody should watch that fight. Everyone, everyone should be forced. Everyone should have to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) So, so if if we're if we're talking to people that just have very little idea about fighting, or maybe they just don't follow the UFC or mixed martial arts, in a very quick sort of nutshell blast of of Joe Nolan, mighty Joe Nolan energy if you were going to sort of break down why this fight is big, why it's important, why it matters and why it's just wildly interesting and what it means in terms of just the real, it's, it's an eclipse of a fight, right? So uh, yeah. sell it, sell it, sure. sell it. Yeah. I don't watch, pretend like I'm somebody that knows nothing about it. I don't really even care, but yeah. man, I might listen to you and say, okay, I'll find I'll watch this one. I would, you know, at the root, I don't, you know, I don't want to get into too much of the, you know, I don't want the striker grappler talk or anything like that, but I would just say, I mean, Khabib is, is like literally Khabib has been an unstoppable force. You know what I mean? Literally an avalanche of violence is what he brings to, uh, these, these, these encounters. And even the strongest and bravest among them, you know, have been buried beneath it, you know? And, um, he's just, uh, seemingly, I mean, it's, I can't, and I, it's like he's, Khabib is one of those fighters where I can't imagine him losing. You know what I mean? I can't even imagine how that happens or what that would look like. I can't, I can't bring myself to even see it because it's just so, it's so impossible. It's like, it's like, you know, seeing something, you know, seeing uh, the tree in your yard and suddenly it's just not there anymore. It just wouldn't, it doesn't make sense in the universe. Uh, you know, the whole, the notion of Khabib losing a fight, that's how dominant this guy's been. Um, now that said, Justin Gaethje is tough as hell. Justin Gaethje, even though we don't see him wrestle that much, he is a very uh, storied, celebrated wrestler. You said um, you weren't going to get into striking and grappling. I'm not. I'm just saying. But you have to talk about the fact that he's yeah, capable yeah. of grappling. He's capable yeah. of wrestling himself. You know. So, yeah. so because Khabib is ultimately going to want to wrestle him. So, can, what's he going to do? He's way better than Conor McGregor at wrestling. You know what I'm saying? Or yeah. any. I mean, I mean, he may be one of the best wrestlers. You know that that's gone against Khabib, and, and you're going to have to be, you know. But he also knocks people out like crazy, um, and he's also tough as hell. 
So I, you don't, I don't see him being finished. You know, I guess, well, he's gotten, he, uh, Eddie finished him with that, uh, body shot. But if, but if, if they have the kind of fight where J- Justin ends up finished, I'm here for it. I can't even imagine that because it just doesn't seem like it's going to be that kind of fight unless it's like, you know, a ground and pound situation. It really, it really does bring to light actually that, uh, everybody knows that Connor McGregor fought Khabib. If you're a casual, you even know that that happened. Yeah. And, and you know that Khabib won dominatingly. And it, well, you know what though? Like, if you think about that compared to like the Ally Quinta fight with Khabib, right? Uh huh. I mean, which was had its own kind of strange moments, but generally was just this sort of like prolonged sparring session. Uh-huh. Uh, That's a good point. You know, so like, it, but what it brings up though is that Connor, Connor kind of gave up, right? I mean, he kind of just knew that he wasn't going to look good for the next couple of rounds or whatever it was, next round and a half. So, I think that he just kind of saw an out and took it. Um, I, I know that sounds crazy, but I think there's something I'm, I'm speaking more to the subconscious there because he, Khabib has definitely let people go all five rounds more, you know, so it's yeah. weird, right? It's, it's, whereas Gaethje is Justin Gaethje is wild killer violence on the mm-hmm. highest level. Yeah. Uh, and he's gotten smarter and more defensive, but he really hasn't stopped the 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 intention is still very much i am going to grind you i'm yeah. going to smash you i mean it's very like Khabib, but but with justin gaethje it's more of like i'm going to do it with my fists mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean where yeah. and khabib's gotten better with his hands but obviously he ultimately wants you to he wants to break your will like he did with connor you know that's really what his target is his target yeah. is really you're going to quit and and then i'm going to smash you <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I feel bad for him. Uh, you know, he lost his father to COVID, and that's just unbelievable. He, the relationship yeah. with his father very well documented, and his uh, father was like a was, giant among the Pakistani wrestling community. Yeah, we need to get we need to get Will Harris on at some point because uh, he just I, I would like to get from a filmmaker perspective his his insights uh, on his sort of. Uh, embedded, embedded with the family, and ingratiated with the family, and filming in Dagestan, and you know all of all of that. Uh, just be, I, I feel like that he's talked Which about. Which movie did he do there? He did that. Uh, his whole series, Anatomy of a Fighter, and Anatomy all, of a Fighter. Yeah, he did the one. In, he does he do all those are his? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we'd love to talk to him. Yeah, uh, and we've. Yeah, I'd love to talk to Mix Molly Whoppery too. Yeah, that so, guy's the king. Uh, I've talked with like Will's been really cool with me. Like we're sort of, uh, he's been really generous and complimentary of uh, like my drone work and whatever, and definitely wants to, you know, sort of talk to me more about that kind of stuff. So um, it'd be cool to maybe just have a session here and let that be the 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 meeting of the minds. Um, but uh, but anyway, so we should probably go ahead and get on out of here. It's about an hour. Um, yeah. to, Next think- week we'll be with um, uh, uh, Nashville painter Sam Dunson. And Sam's got a show coming up. He's got a show of sculpture and painting coming up at the Reimer Gallery. Um, that's like an amazing show. I really think it's like, you know, the the best of Nashville, Nashville scene, best of Nashville actually came out today, um, which means that really anything that happens after this is something that we'll be considering for next year's best of Nashville. You know, a lot of stuff that got nominations today was stuff that happened in the, like late fall last year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I really think that Sam's show is like one that's like beginning the new 
sort of uh, best of Nashville calendar. I really think it's going to like be like the first great show of the, of the new cycle. Really. It looks incredible. And, uh, and he's a great artist and a great guy. And, and him and I have also been trying to get together to talk with about, um, about uh, David Driscoll. David Driscoll was a painter and uh, well, an artist in general, and also an art historian who passed away. He uh, unfortunately caught some caught COVID and died with complications. Um, he uh, was a tireless uh, supporter of African American art all the way, you know, through the end of the 20th century and uh, and into the 21st. And um, uh, uh, and he passed away, like I said earlier this, uh, this year, and he has connections to North Nashville and, uh, he spent time at Fisk. He, you know, spent time, uh, with, with the generation, um, I guess probably the generation before Sam, but we can talk all about that, uh, um, when he comes on next week. That'll be real cool. Um, all right. Well, uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, we'll get this out on all the channels for everybody. And so you can pick it up if you, if, uh, and follow all of the rest of our, we have some sh- uh, catalog now wise. We, it's crazy. I was going back through and I'm just thinking like, Oh wow, that was like two years ago now, you know, but we've had, we've had some really amazing, uh, people on, especially even in the past year. I mean, I, I'm so happy that we had Wayne white on, like that was such an incredible conversation. Yeah, that was like, great. Talk, talking to him about, um, you know, cooking, uh, being, being a short order cook, you know, like yeah. there's some stuff in there that was just gems, you know, but anyway, I was just sort of looking at, so be, please, you know, people who are listening or watching, like uh, all of our stuff generally can be had at any time and consumed and not feel wildly out of date. We're not necessarily topical, uh, to an extent. Uh, so there's, there's yeah. some value there. Uh, you know, I really, I feel like that we're going to have this insane library when we're done, whenever that is with all this, where it's like, wow, like, what an incredible uh, set of conversations uh, ultimately with just an incredible array of people. Uh, so yeah, I was just doing a little reflecting a little bit there, Joe. Oh yeah, that felt good. Uh, <laughs> uh, send us out and then uh, we'll, we'll see everybody next week. Yeah. We'll see everybody next week. Thanks for uh, joining us. Uh, like I said, Sam Dunson next week and uh, we got some other guests in the works and some surprises on the way. So uh, we'll see you guys next week on the art fight podcast. Have a great weekend. Later. Okay, guys, I love the Art Fight podcast, and I listen to every episode even though I am a robot trying to sound like an actual person. I know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going. How can I help? Go to anchor.fm forward slash Art Fight Podcast. Click on the button, the big old button that says support this podcast. And once you get there, you'll have three options. You can just choose the lowest level. You're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and and help us out again anchor.fm forward slash art fight podcast click on support this podcast all right thanks everyone